Good morning, good evening, good night, good afternoon, and you are welcome to the 90 minutes edition. My name is Leon, I'm here with my co-host Mario. And uh, today we'll be talking about, there's, well, there's no pet topic for today. It's just a, a lot of stuff has happened over the past couple of weeks, football-wise. And we're just going to cover as much as we possibly can in the one hour. Um, Mario earlier said that today was Copa Italia. Yeah, uh, I saw the AC Milan the latest match. And I think Inter lost to Napoli won it. And these are the first legs. Okay, yeah, so I saw the, I saw a post by the Richard Port about a controversial call in CR7 penalty. Yeah, can I penalty that? Bicycle kick, ball touch hand, went to bar, bar to handball, Juve just penalty, 1-1. Yeah, and um, in all honesty, that, that penalty, uh, the thing is, it it can be given, but because the rules are the rules change every five seconds, you don't know what is you don't know what is consistent anymore. Because what happened was that CR7 did a bicycle kick. Um, I don't think he was going to score anything, but mm-hmm. that's besides the point. Because in my that he wasn't that close to the goal. He yeah. was in the box, you know, but they were wide from the goal. They were at a tough angle. And Davide Calabria has his back turned. Yeah. So he's blocking the bicycle kick, but he has his back turned to it. So he's not seeing it whatsoever. So there's no intention for him to answer. Mm-hmm. Zero intention whatsoever. The ball basically hit him like in him back, but so it's more of a case of ball to hand than hand to ball. It is. But the question is asking what? Because he, he didn't even see the bicycle kicking, his back is completely turned to CR7. So the question is, what are the referees looking at? And this is the ball touch him. I mean, I think the reality of the situation is that the ball did touch his hand, but he's blocking. He's yeah. running back to block. Um, the, 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 the cross. Yeah, unlike the handball for attackers, where if within the build-up play, the ball touches the hand, the goal is without, for defenders, the rules still say that there needs to be some sort of intent. Oh no, there was no the intent. There's no intent, like his back is completely turned. He's throwing his body, he's basically... He's naturally bigger. Yeah, he's, 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 um... He's literally just he's literally just running back and jumping to block a shot and his his, his head isn't even looking at the ball. So it's hard it's very hard for us to call that intentional. It's hard press, it's non-intentional whatsoever. He, he don't even realize that the ball hit him. So I'm looking at the stats of the game and Milan seem to have bought this game. 21 shots, 11 on target, 37% position. Well, uh, uh, don't look at that too much because the stats are kind of empty stats. Ah, Juve 14 shots, 4 on target, 62% position. So, um, this also is another question a lot of persons have been asking is that Juve has not been playing great for the past couple of matches though. Last couple of years. They've not been executing anything like Sari Bola has been at Napoli. It's been slow, ponderous, and cheap. CR7 refused to accept that he's not a winner anymore. Yeah, but. And then he has a lot of injuries. He's the one that is scoring all the goals. Yeah, but he's scoring a lot of penalties and he's scoring a lot of goals that aren't necessarily spectacular. And it's not like he's dribbling off of the wing and scoring these goals, which is why the squad looks so disorganized. He moves into striker positions from that wide role, but for some reason he wants to play that wide role when he's off the ball, and it doesn't work. But and then Juve has, is Juve has figured out their back four. They figure out their midfield, right? Uh-huh. And they were just bullying Aaron Ramsey for the day. Um, he, he was a constant, but they were, con- they were constantly fouling him. 
And I think that Milan set up well today. They actually played well today. They played well, but it's still empty stats. Like, don't watch the shots. Don't watch the shots. There are a lot of wild shots. People were, overall, there was not much creativity today. From either team. From either team. So, a lot of the shots that you're seeing are just wild shots. Just taking shots because, yo, somebody needs to take a shot. So, there were a lot of wild shots. A lot of distant shots as well for the day because, again, there were no clear-cut chance. There was no breaking down of any of the two teams. Milan set up in a 4-2-3-1, or you could call it a 4-4-2. But, I mean, Chua no lose a naturally a number 10, and him playing in behind Zatan. I assume that's a 4-2-3-1. But the reason why I say it's a 4-4-2 is because of how the two midfielders play. Because you have to remember, um, Ben Asir, the Algerian central midfielder, he's really a Jorginho type, a variety type. He's really a register. And we know Frank Kessier is a box-to-box midfielder. And they played at the base of the midfield, so Milan had no out-and-out defensive midfielder on the pitch. On the pitch. And Chonolo, as I said, played as a number 10, but really as a second striker. Um, Samuel Castelio played on one wing, and Ante Rebic played on the other. Which I thought was unique, which is why I still think the formation plays like a 4 2 3 which is really a forward. And him cutting in off of that off of, off of the left and cutting in onto his right foot. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's how if I'm not mistaken, that's how he scored today. His runs from off of the left got him into good positions. Um Zatani, I don't I don't really see Zat well you, you tell that Zatan is not Zatan anymore, but like He's still playing very good. And Samuel Castelio, I think because of the style of play that they're playing now, it limits mm-hmm. him and Anterior Bridge and even Chonolu to some extent, creative-wise. So basically, what it seemed like today is that um, Piolo, what he did with his team was that he put as much attacking talent on the pitch as possible Mm-hmm. Or play them in a defensive style of play. You know what I said? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it seemed like that was his, that was his um, team today. So they stayed organized, they worked hard, and uh, played a defensive style of play. But just because of who they are as players, because, again, Ben Asir is not a defensive midfielder. He's a, He's a deep line playmaker, or you could even call him a box about him that has a bit of creativity. And mm-hmm. he played in that like more more as a register today. And Kessie played alongside him as, as usual box about him too. And uh, like I said, Castellejo and Ribic are really attack minded players. So that's the. So that was the um, the rival. That's how they played today. Yeah, so he threw on as much attacking players as possible, but he kept he kept the, the, the team organized defensively, and they were all working together as a team too. But that's style for their creativity. If if we're just talking about how each player plays, how the playing style is set up, kind of style for their creativity. Which I tell you that there was a lot of long shots today, a lot of wild shots. So this was just one of those matches where the stats will make you believe that it was a game filled with creativity and attacking freedom, but no. the shots were of a poor quality. Yeah, they were not quality shots. They were not. Neither team broke each other down. As a matter of fact, this I will give them this. This was a Milan Juventus derby. There should have maybe been a f- two more red cards in there, but this was a Milan Juventus derby. Yeah, so there was a lot of pushing and shoving. There was a lot yeah, of fouls. Historically, these matches are not high scoring matches. But like I said, like them, as soon as Ramsey touched the ball, somebody pushed him back. I pushed him back. Um, the ball I get fouled like crazy today. The ball I foul people and give us stupid, stupid free kicks today. 
So it was one of those games. They let take a elbow from Ibrahimovic. Wasn't intentional. Mm-hmm. Two of them jump up for a ball. Um, I think Ibra, that was Ibra's yellow card. Tia Hernandez got sent off. Left back for... Uh, yeah, for Inter. For AC, sir. He got sent off. Got a second yellow. A couple people, okay. people got I yellow cards. That one beat Inter. Yeah, that was the match I needed on there. Fabian was the So contacting usual two five two inter line up in a Napoli line up in a forty three. Very interesting very interesting for three for Napoli. Elmas Mertens and Carion. Yeah. Um Napoli's front team was Mertens, Carrion and Elmas. Which is an interesting, an interesting front to say the least. But looking on Inter's lineup, this was, this is practically their, their starting level for Syria. It is. So, um, another question while we're still in Italy. Alright. Why, why, another question... Why no, 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 what's the question, what's the question? Yeah, uh, do you believe that Conte struggles in cup games? That he overthinks them? No. And he, his record in cup games are extremely poor. No, I don't think so. Um, in the case of this Inter team is that... The problem with Inter, this Inter team is that I don't think they're playing... I think we're, we're expecting too much of them too soon. Yeah, but even at Juve and at Chelsea, he still he, he did not win any cups. Yeah, but what? At Juve, he won cups. Are you sure? Yeah. I remember correctly, he didn't win This guy did not win the Serie alone at Juve. I'm guaranteeing you that. I distinctly remember as a Roma fan that at some point he even won a treble. Of, well, at least a, a, a Italian treble. Right? Super Coppa Italia, um, Coppa Italia and... Um, the Syria title. Yes, he doesn't prioritize cups. I don't think he prioritizes them. I think the only cup he really prioritizes is the Champions League. In the case of his last Juve squad and maybe Chelsea. But of course, Chelsea didn't give him the players he needed. And his Juventus squad, he left a year. He left them a year before they made it to a um, Champions League final. Yeah, so, yeah, he only has one Super Cup while at Inter, three leagues, and one, what would you call it? Yeah, so he's got, yeah, you know, he has only won the Italian, yeah, he has only won one cup while he was at Juventus, the Super Cup. Yeah, Super Cup Italian. Yeah, that's all. He has, he has never won cup Italian. But he doesn't, prior, he never prioritizes that. He prioritizes the Champions League and the league. Well, I would have said that. I just think that the, the, the era that his Juventus team played in was the same era as um, Pep Guardiola's uh, Barca. 11, 12, 12, 13, 13, 14. Those were the two seasons that he was at Juventus for. And as he left, Allegri took them to a Champions League final. I remember first. Yeah, but here are right, you see here's you see here's why I don't why I didn't want to state it like that. Allegri mm-hmm. took his squad, his playing style, everything he set up, and they went to a final. I don't uh-huh. give that to Allegri. I don't give that to to Allegri. I do not. Yeah, but give Allegri that. also he has also repeated that. 
No, he only repeated that once. It's like, oh, wait, stop, 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 stop. He repeated that once. He repeated that once. Don't make it look like it's a regular thing. Yeah, but if you are judging both managers... No, but what I'm saying is, what did Allegri change in that Juve squad the first time they went to the, the Champions League final? They didn't change much. Nothing, nothing, nothing changed. Yeah, nothing. No, 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 stop, 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 stop. Nothing changed. No, 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 nothing changed. Mario. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. Mario. You know, you know the one I'll give Allegri credit for. Mario, Mario. Yeah. Four times Italian Cup winner. Yeah. Three times Super Cup winner. Two at Juve. All, all of his Italian cup, Italian cup, Italian at Juve, right? Mm. And the four league titles, well, sorry, five league titles with Juve. Yeah. Are you and then you're going to say that? Oh, yeah. He might the first season. He did not. He he. he didn't change. There was nothing he changed. Him. There was nothing but he changed. Yes, there was no change. There was literally no change. No, there was no change. But I'm telling you, there was no change. It was the same back three. So why wasn't Conte able to win the Because of getting because of getting um because they were in an era of the Guardiola's Barcelona. Guardiola's Barcelona ended in 2012. Yeah, but they were still that team. And, and then you had Glopinkes, you had, you had, you had um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, and then you had Glopinkes Bayern Munich, right? You had Glopinkes Bayern Munich, right? Yeah, but that was so thirty. Ex exactly. Now, the, hold on, hold on, stop. Conte at Juventus played well in the Champions League, but he got more difficult teams to face in the Champions League as well. Allegri's season was basically continuing what Conte did. The, the first Champions League final that Allegri went to is just continue, is a, was literally an exact continuation of what Conte already had established. Put it, or put it this way. Or I'll, I'll put it in the most simple way I can, or I can put it. Mm -hmm. If Conte stayed at Juventus for one more season, they would have still made it to that Champions League final. And what about the second Champions League That's the one I give Allegri credit for. Because you know why? And you know, and you want to, you want to, you want to also, you, you, want, you want to show you why even Allegri knows that. Mm -hmm. He changed damn near everything yeah, for that second championship. Allegri's Juventus team went further than all of Conte's teams in the championship. Yeah, and I and I and I'll say that. Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, and I'll say it again. That first season, that first season, even if Allegri was not there, even if Conte stayed for another year. Ah, but but look at this. What he changed a lot in those seasons. That's why I said I'm not giving him credit for the one that they they lost against Barca in 2015. Because if Conte was still in charge of that team, they would have still made it to that final. It was his tactics, his formations, his his set of players, literally everybody, his set of players. And then where Conte came And just to show you how much Allegri changed the entire squad because he wants credit for his champions league. Mm -hmm. So he changed the whole squad entirely played. When Conte when Conte was was at was at um Juventus, they played with a 3-5-2. Mm -hmm. Same thing same thing for that season that they went to the Champions League final. Nothing changed about that squad. Hold on, hold on, no. When Conte, um, when Allegri went to the second Champions League final that he went to, right? Yeah. Keep in mind, Allegri had a weaker Syria to face. Keep that in mind as well. That mm. all of those Copa Italias and Super and 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 thing there that you talk about, he had an yeah. easier Juventus to run. The Syria got weaker after Conte. So that's why I said don't overcredit Allegri. Allegri hasn't done anything special. Even though he has one more, it was easier to win. The one thing I'll give him credit for was um, changing his formation to a 4-2-3-1 for the second Champions League um, that season run. 
And then mm-hmm. when he meet back, when he met tough teams, what did he change back to? No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not saying that he isn't a tactical manager. No. What I'm saying is, he, the first Champions League finally went to, is basically contest for. It, it, it is actually contest for. There's no. There's no real changes in that squad. Nothing playing style. Nothing how they operate. Nothing personnel. The second one. It completely changed to what he wanted. He brought in Manzukic and, and played him as a Ram Duter. Um, dropping the baller into that number 10 role. Pialic as his deep line playmaker. Kedera as well. Or Matuidi, depending on who he wants to use. So I'll give him credit for that squad. But I don't give him credit for the first squad because even if Conte was still there, they would still make it to the Champions League final. And again, all of those Syria years that Conte was there are actually harder years to win the Syria and the Cups than when Allegri was then than when Allegri came in as Juventus manager. Allegri had the easier job. Alright, so that that's that's Italy. Um, on the summer transfer news, I think it should everybody should know by now. Chelsea signed Hakim Ziyech for 38 million. Both clubs confirmed it this morning. So, thoughts on that one, Mario? Chelsea signed another African player, continuing a long tradition of having African winners at the club. Again, Zayek is not a winger, stop announcing him as a winger, he's an attacking midfield. Even if you you want to use him, yeah, he's not a winger. No, we're, 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 we're not, we call him either then, 90minutes.com, yes, we're not there. Listen, you can put that in the universe all you want because you still want Mason Mount to start. But at the end of the day, is again, I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't act like I know Frank Lampard's mind and tell you that, okay, he's definitely going to start him on the way. But as Zayek, as a winger. As a, or as an inside forward on the right hand side, or he plays him as a number 10, or if he plays a 4 3 3, he plays him as a one of his attacking midfielders, or attacking teammates from in the central midfield slot. But that's like, that's Zayek's natural position. Yeah, that's his natural role. But I'm just saying, Chelsea is continuing a long tradition of being with African players, and I think. I might be wrong on this one, but I'm ninety percent sure that all of Chelsea's African signings since Roman Abramovich took over has all been massive hit. No. Can you name one that wasn't uh Gilaboji Barbara? That's what I said, ninety percent. I still wouldn't say that. I still we know the we know the famous Dragba, and Kalu and then Kalu wasn't really that much of a success because he was always a super sub he was always somebody that was brought on true always a super sub but Kalu has as Chelsea fans Kalu has great yeah, great memories of Kalu doing a job when needed no I'm not saying that he wasn't successful at Chelsea I'm just saying that you can't really pretend like he was at and then John Obi Mikel and Chelsea have always had an up and down relationship as yeah, it pertains to the fans. Yeah, I think more like the fans that we can open the relationship. Yeah, as, as it pertains to the fans. You know, you don't get them once again, we can have for Chelsea and not be uh, a vital member. Oh, no, 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 no. I, 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 I love them. That, 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 that. Might have been like the majority of, not even just from Chelsea fans, but even the respect he deserves in Europe. I think that he yeah, was as good as a midfielder. At the time, most persons don't understand Mikel or what Mikel was brought in to do at Chelsea. He was at Chelsea for what, 12 seasons? Yeah, about 10, about 10 years, a little over 10 years. Yeah, 11 seasons actually. So, 11 seasons at Chelsea, the amount of over 249 appearances for the club. Too many substitute appearances. And there were seasons where he was a starter. Yeah, we're not consistent. Yeah. That's the same thing I'm bringing about Kalu. 
I remember when and that partially has to do with Chelsea constantly changing managers and every manager that, coming with their own plan. But I got fired and they brought him in and he did, he did not play him as a defensive no, midfielder. Yeah. No, but he wasn't playing as a defensive midfielder in the heading system. Matic was still a defensive midfielder. Yeah, Matic was, yeah. And then that's another problem. And then that, that was another problem with Mikel at Chelsea. Every other manager wanted him to use him as a defensive midfielder when that isn't necessarily naturally his role. No, because Nigeria, I think he played with a normal 10 for Nigeria at the time. Well, not as a 10 at that time. Before that as a team. No, before that as a team. At that, that, at that point, he was Nigeria's deep line playmaker. He was a deep line playmaker for Nigeria. Earlier in his career, them, 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 them using him in behind. But um, as he got older, of course, um, by that time, Nigeria, I think, switched to uh, using a midfield two. Whether it was the, whether it was they were going to use their uh, were three. What was? Three four three or when they use the still use the four four two, but Mikel was a was a, um their deep line playmaker, and we saw how he played well under Busi. So most managers not playing him in his merit role, uh just because he's physically strong. Um, some inconsistent performances from him as well. I can't put it just on everybody else. Mm-hmm. But I I can't. Him and Kalua can't necessarily, they're, they're both Chelsea legends in my eyes, but other than Didier Drogba, Michael Essien, who his career still um, didn't go exactly how he wanted it to go. But he's a Chelsea legend. No, I'm not, I'm not denying that. He's a Chelsea legend. But we still never get the best out of him. But that was more injuries. And uh, other than, alright, so other than Essien, Drogba, Let's say we throw Mikel and Kalu in here. Mm-hmm. Who are really the other African players that we were really successful with? Kadesa, he counts as a French player. Yeah, yeah, but that's just because of how fancy. But between Desai, um, oh God. But that's how you play for no, France, Maluda. so you can't... Maluda was not a French player. Maluda was a French player. I think it was French team was his national team. No. France was his national team. Brother, I'm playing at the 06 finals, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I know he has did some changes. Um, what, when he's 40 years old? Yes, and he played for a Caribbean team. It was a Concac of it was a Concac of Gold Cup that his Caribbean team got disqualified from because he didn't play. Oh, okay, yeah, but yes, I I do like I do remember. But that was when he was forty. That was the time when he was retired. So, back to Zayac at Chelsea now. Um, yesterday we had like a little small talk over to say that this. A move away from Ajax of Young coming and it's overdue for Zayich as he sh- as, as um, Ajax coach Ten Hag alluded to he always thought that he would have already been one of the players to leave and when other players left before him were shocked that he was still here then since the manager is not saying that he didn't really want him to go but a player of his talent and I don't think it's going to affect Ajax I don't think it's going to affect Ajax that much, but they have, they have a literal like for like replacement for him already. That's the thing, of course he won't affect Ajax. Now, is in the Premier League, what do you expect, or what are your expectations of him? Um, I hold my expectations until I see the squad that is built around me. I stop just looking at a player and expecting them to transform an entire bad behaving squad. That's one of the things that stopped being as a as a yeah one piece of the puzzle one piece of the puzzle. So in in isolation, what are your in a I good squad? If you get a good squad, what do you expect for persons who don't watch the Eredivisie and only have seen glimpses of him from the Champions League? Ajax, what what will they feel? 
a hard working one first and foremost a hard working player creativity and flair good technical ability um very adaptive as a thing to play anywhere in attack probably can even use him as a false nine at times um his best position to play is as an attacking midfielder or if you want to play him as a playmaker from midfield in a 4-3-3 and sure Ajax has used him on the wings uh, for the past two years but that's more as an inside forward than an out and out winger mm-hmm. so the rules aren't necessarily the same just because they see him more wide um, I know a lot of people watching Champions League would think that oh yeah this guy's a winger he's or that's not, the, that's not his best position so if you're looking for Lionel Messi from Hakim Zayek don't expect him to be Premier League he's much suited especially in the Premier League he's much suited as a playmaker So, when I'm looking at this time, when it looks like Lampard wants to address his creativity problem that he has in his strikers, and goal scoring as Zayek will get his goals when he's in attacking position to score goals, but he also create goals But for here's the thing strikers. though, I don't want people to think that Zayek is going to come in and be like a Lionel Messi type of goal, as it pertains to being an inside forward. He's not a mm-hmm. muscle up with the goal. And that's the expectation I don't want people to have because he's more of a playmaker. He's not your Iron Robin. He's not your your uh, Mohamed Salah. Now that he's not that talented, what I'm saying is he's really he's a lot more of a playmaker. He's playing style to provide the goals. Exactly. You probably get more assists out of him, or should get more. I mean, I expect more assists out of him than goals. Not saying that he can't have a season where he rack up goals. I'm not saying that he can't have a season where he yeah, rack up goals. The type of player he, he does get goals, but his assists are always higher than his goals. And as they should be, he's a playmaker. So Tommy Adrian should be smiling and cutting his hands. You know, like all strikers, very happy that a, a playmaker is coming into the squad to provide, provide for him. He's also very good on set pieces. He's very clear on set pieces, I should say. So he has over a hundred career goals from both club and country. And for another person, it is from Morocco. Born in Netherlands, decided to play for Morocco. So, I'm um, speaking on transfer targets for Chelsea. The rumor mill is also saying Onana from Ajax as well is coming in to be next Chelsea's, Chelsea's next goalkeeper. Another African player. And yesterday he said that Onana coming into the squad is an upgrade on Kepa. Not a massive upgrade, but an upgrade nonetheless. Yeah, because I think that Onana is a And you are getting a leader for, a leader for the defense. And a goalkeeper that commands his box, which is the exact opposite of what Kepa is right now. And with, with the defenders that are in the world. Alright, hold on, on. Just to give the context first. Mm-hmm. The reason why I point out Onana being a leader at the back, leader at the back in a sense in that he'll help organize his defense or he'll show more at his defense yeah, to, we'll to that we have young well, no, 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 no. I just want to give the people who are listening some context that yeah. I saw that based on his performances for Cameroon in the African Cup of Nations which they won and he was their starting goalkeeper for the entire time and he's a very vocal player and my only problem with him is that he can make stupid, silly mistakes sometimes. But uh, the reason why I think he's he's a slight upgrade than Kepa is because mm-hmm. of that voc- vocal because because he's more vocal with his defenders. Two, he's just as good on the ball, being that he's a Barcelona um, La Masia Academy graduate. And I was surprised when Barca didn't keep him, but of course they signed Silison instead of putting Onana, instead of stifling Onana behind Ter Stegen, they signed Tillerson and use Onana in the trade to Ajax. Yes. And I think that Barca gave away a very good talent, but I, I could understand that it was wrong, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, and because, based on what I've seen in seen from him in the Europa League, is that he can make little small goals score that shouldn't score. Mm-hmm. I will say that in Kepa sometimes as well. But I think he's a slight upgrade over Kepa. And I think they're both their ceilings are very, very high. 
And as we say, one is more vocal, one is not so vocal. Check this different different case that for goalkeeper as they are for midfielders. Not every not every goalkeeper is vocal and commanding and not and you have the exact opposite. So Kepa is the not not so vocal goalkeeper while another is the vocal one. No. Where where the vocality comes in and the commanding of the box comes in is with young defenders or with more leader in Chelsea's defense at this moment as we are not sure by anybody to rectify these issues. With more leader in the back line, do you believe Onana can be that leader to keep his defenders organized to drag the drag, drag Not necessarily, the because I don't think any goalkeeper can. I don't, really think any, I don't really think any goalkeeper can. You still get to buy a defender that is that that is that player that helps to organize the defense. Like you can't run from that. You can never run. Of course, you can never run from that. But it will, would it help? I don't think you notice that. I don't think you notice it that much. In all honesty, they need to prioritize getting a leader in that centre back. Here's the thing. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think. Anana interrupts your priorities. That's what I think. I don't think it's an inter- I don't think it interrupts the priorities of Chelsea. So you can get Onana and still prioritize getting a defender. So the idea so is to get the, the, the so idea or the aim is to get both. That, that defense is still an absolute must. Yeah. Because I, I don't think any goalkeeper in the world can completely organize the defense. Not even Oliver Kahn. No, it helped. It helped to have a Oliver Kahn around the back. It helps to have a Manuel Nolly around the back, but you still need a Matt Hummels. You still need a Daniel Van Boyten at, at Bayern. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, you still need a Carlos Puyol. You still need a Carlos Puyol. You still need somebody like that. So, okay. Um, just to throw that over. But enough about Chelsea now. Um, yeah, we're moving along. Um, I want to take like a wider look at the Premier League, a wider sense. look at Arsenal, uh, but a wider look at the Premier League. We are, the winter break for the Premier League is almost finished. Now, when we look at the Premier League table, it stands up. Liverpool 22 points ahead of Manchester City. Leicester City in third. Chelsea for Sheffield United in fifth, Tottenham in sixth with a game in hand. Everton is in seventh, Man United eighth, Wolves nine, Arsenal ten. And that runs out the top ten. Now Liverpool 25 games in, 13 games left in the season, 24 wins, one draw. I remember you saying that every team has a cycle, and this is just Liverpool's time based on their performances. They can still do a new captain's Kevin Keegan, but that's very unlikely at this, at this moment. But I want to talk about Sheffield United. Yes, the, top, the established top six is not performing, but to be fit at this stage of the season, there should be some credits to Chris Wilder for that and to the players that should be United. Your thoughts? Uh, again, I won't overreact to what Sheffield is doing. I still want to see what is going to happen to them over the course of the rest of the season. And I, tell, and, I, and I keep telling you this, the reason why I don't want to overreact to this, I don't want, and yes, they deserve credit, credit is deserved where it's due, but the reason why I'm not going to overreact to this is because I see too many times, happen too many times. You're a new quantity in the Premier League. The majority of your players are unknown by the Premier League, so you're going to perform well in your first season. At least one promoted club does that. Every season. Every season yes, in the Premier League. This is a Hold on, no. Uh, no, 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 I wouldn't say that. Well. I wouldn't say I that. And here's why I wouldn't say that yet. Target. I think it's premature to say that. We're in what, February because now? At this moment, we're in European. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on, hold on. That's so why I say it's still too premature to say that yet. Because we're in February now. Still have March, you still have April, and you still have May. And of course, May is the end of the season. 
But the reason why I still the reason why I still say it's premature. The reason why I still say it's premature to say that is because the top six isn't secured as it is. Sure, Liverpool are running away with the title, but the top six itself isn't secured. There isn't a real gap between or a very big gap between sixth and ten um fifth and ten or fourth and ten. Fourth and ten to be more to be more precise. Yeah, fourth and ten. There isn't that big a gap. The top three is pulled the top three are pulled away for two weeks. And Chelsea still ability to win matches. On a consistent basis. Why this is still so close between fourth and fifth. But from fourth to tenth, I don't think it's it's completely secure. What the picture that you're looking at is completely secure. It's, yeah, it's ten times between fourth and tenth. Exactly, I don't see that as a secure means of. All right, yeah, man, Sheffield. And let's say that Sheffield finishes like sixth, right? Uh-huh. Let's say them finish sixth. It still goes back to my point of you're going to have a surprise out of the three teams that get promoted every season. But that same team might be in a relegation battle next season because now the Premier League has figured out the players, your playing style, and what you like to do from what you don't like to do. Mm-hmm. And then, how will your assignings in the summer window affect your team going into next year as it pertains to chemistry and how they work? Because the thing about Sheffield this year is that they have a lot of unknown quantities. So... As usual, one out of the t- one out of the three teams that get promoted is going to shoot up the table in their first season and get a comfortable finish. And sure, if they finish in Europe, then hats off to them. But again, I still don't want to jump to any conclusions right now. We're just in February. Uh, at the end of the season, I'll do a full review of what I think of our a full. I'll speak more about how I feel about Sheffield, but. I don't want to make a deal out of it now just because you're in fifth because I I feel like I've I felt like I've seen this before. Okay, so um another club I want to think of that is Bournemouth. Do you believe any horse taken Bournemouth as far as they can go? Not necessarily. Do you think that he still has more to give to the club? Or the club has more to give for him? I would say that I would say the latter. So the club has more to give. Yeah, if you remember, they're the only club that doesn't use their 100 mil a season to really no, improve the no. squad. They raise their heavily in their infrastructure. In their, yeah, because they need to. They raise their heavily in So we're not, we're not, I'm not criticizing the club or Eddie Hall right now. Oh, no, 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 no. This is not criticism. I, I totally believe that Bournemouth model is the model that most clubs that they promote should follow. Get stability so first. Get stability first, and once you're fully stable, once you know, say, all right, all right, my infrastructure is good, my academy, my ca- my academy is well invested in as it pertains to facilities, scouting, my stadium, may need improvement, what it is for expansion. Exactly. So, if you're using your hundred mil a season for the past three, three or four seasons now. Yes, three seasons now. Yeah, three seasons now to build the infrastructure of the club. All you need Eddie Howe to do is steady the ship until you can give him players that truly improve his squad. Now, the good thing about Eddie Howe's squad is that people underestimate that Eddie Howe's squad is actually young and improving. Is, so, and the, the biggest model that Bournemouth have is the model that they uh, have kept coming up the new table where they look in the division below and you look for talent and bring them into the club and okay. you use them, play them and maybe if they're good enough to stay, if they can get another skill for them, they get another skill for them. But I totally believe that the first thing a promoted club should do if you do not have the infrastructure to stay in the Premier League because it makes no sense you're buying Premier League players or you're buying players, giving them big wages and you don't have the infrastructure to maintain it in the long run. So, hats off to the ownership of Bournemouth, hats off to Eddie Howe. He's kept them in a stable position, he's kept them out of relegation zone, and he's always found a way to turn around their season. And that's one of my biggest praise that I have for him, is that Bournemouth will be losing five, six matches on the field, and then you now he, finds, he finds a way to turn it around, they start picking up some wins, and they finish the table 
and then the hundred mil again, they push the reset button, start again. But what the, the problem is, or I'll I'll play I'll 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 play the the negative person here. The problem is you can't get relegated while you're doing that. You can. It, it is a risky strategy. So that's the only thing. That's the only thing that Eddie has to avoid. Don't get relegated. Um, they play good football, so their fans are always entertained when they're winning. Sure, they are. They're very entertaining to watch. So, for now, Eddie Howe doesn't have to worry. The point where you have to say that Eddie Howe can't go anywhere with his Bournemouth team is okay mm-hmm. after Bournemouth set up whatever structure they're setting. Because you don't know how long this structure set takes take to set, you know. Because let's say that Bournemouth wants to have a Chelsea level academy, mm-hmm. a, um, a Man City type stadium. Yeah. Right? That might take a few more years of, of spending a hundred million. Of course. Before you can enough. before it's you can give Eddie Howe before you can give Eddie Howe the hundred million and say, yo. Alright, a time now for you a time now a time for, a time now for you prove yourself on the highest stage. We'll give you some players where world class or close to world class. Yeah, that's Just offer. Um, Roman, that good couple seasons with a blank check, as you call it, to get Chelsea's academy up to, up to stretch. And they had a blank check to, to spend on the academy. And I would say the same with City and their infrastructure. Yep, same thing as well. Because remember, they were still fighting relegation when they, took, when they got took over. Mm-hmm. Alright, so, um, leaving the Premier League and next Jump, who's jumping across the top five leagues here at this time. We have the Bundesliga, and Bayern is at the top of the table again. Only a point, but Bayern is at the top of the table again. Now, don't you say that Bayern is just that good, or the other Bundesliga teams are just that bad? I don't think so. I honestly think that. I honestly think that the Bundesliga has gotten more competitive and there's not really an acceptance for that. Um, I know that Bayern haven't been playing their best either. Yes, Bayern has been far from their best. But the fact that Bayern not at their best, they've not been at their best for the past three seasons. Yeah, but they still have world-class talent. And I I always say that sometimes that can keep you. World-class talent, yes, but... This is a squad that is aging. This is a squad that... It doesn't matter if you still have the world-class talent, it's good. That's my I point. I didn't say world-class talent because... They have world-class. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Coutinho is a world-class talent. Um, Mula is still a world-class talent. Lewandowski no. is still the best striker in the league. Stop it. You have this Ivan Perisic who ripped apart the Syria for the past three Stop years. Those, and those are those are young, those are the youngsters. But Muna, Muna, Muna's numbers have been declining. No, but he's still a world class player. So even if he's not putting up big numbers a season, meaning on a consistent basis, when it counts, he's a world class player. So you can get far with that. You want me to tell you? You want me to give you an example of how Bayern look now? And I'm going to give you another Bayern team that did well despite not having the greatest talent in their squad. Mm-hmm. Look back at um, look back at the twenty ten Bayern squad. When you had what? Yeah, the twenty ten Bayern squad with Daniel Van Boyten, um, players like Breno, um, Timo Schuh. That that was because of hold on of the tactical system. That no, 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 no. that was not the the best Bayern squad. Sure, you still had one and two players. Hold on, no, you still. No, Most of the deficiencies were taken out because of, of the coach at the time. No, no, but you still have to... No, but here's... And you should remember. You should stand. Exactly. But his team wasn't the greatest talented team. Remember that you had Aaron Baum Johan as, as one of his strikers, you know? Yes, and we finished third. Not, we did not win the Bundesliga. Yeah, but my point is this. My point is this. The Bundesliga, we have February now, so we still don't know who's going to win the Bundesliga. So again, I don't. You can't. You can't really draw any conclusion right now. 
But what I will say is that we should enjoy the competition going on in the Bundesliga. I, and I do thoroughly enjoy the competition. It's been, it, I would say it is it has been quite boring recently seeing Bayern Bundesliga in February March. But not only that, I think people are underestimating how good the other teams are actually playing. That's what I'm saying. It is a case where Bayern is just that good on other teams because well, you should remember that Bayern is climbing back from around 40. Yeah, but those, but what you see, the thing is, you're saying climbing. It wasn't that big of a climb. The space between those teams were not that great. Brother, up to last, hold on, hold on, hold on. Up to last month, Gladbach were close to being first. Up to last month, they were either close to being first. So Exactly. And this is the most... And I'm not a fact, I have to shout out to this Gladbach coach because I didn't really necessarily care for him. But yeah. I, I like this Gladbach coach. But my point is this. Like, you have to... When other teams improve, we just have to set them improve. Now, Bayern of aren't playing I at their absolute best. Other teams have not no, I would never... I would not say that. Bayern aren't um, playing at their... I would still give you that Bayern aren't playing at their best. But at the, the end of the day... that I still feel it for is Hussberg, you know? Because, go on, it's we have a soft spot for Oscar. He's one of the traditional clubs. And I, I love to see that Schalke is back among the European leagues. Never two sevens do whatever two sevens does. They finish high up the table one season, the next season they... Never two never sevens always does that. Yeah, I'm glad to see that Leipzig is back again among the leagues. Drummond has always been among it, but they've never been able to finish, to finish it off. They've always been... Uh, the nearly men, so to speak, after chocolate. One of my surprises, though, is whether Bremen is in the relegation zone. Why is that surprising? Okay, so whether Bremen is one of those traditional Bundesliga. But they haven't been that for years. They haven't been that since 2010. Yeah, but they haven't been that since 2010. They haven't been, they haven't been recruiting well, the academy has been failed. The coach has not really been the best of jobs there, but they are one of the traditional Bundesliga clubs. Yeah, but With they... infrastructure. The infrastructure. Really yeah, but they haven't been that club since 2010. Literally, after Ozil, Marin, um, Aaron Hunt, and those guys got sold, they yeah. haven't been that club. Sure, they had a little spell with Arnautovic, but even he was the only really big transfer from that club. And I wouldn't say that they, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that they have completely recruited badly. I just think that coaching has been the, a big issue. Because right now they have a lot of good talents in that squad. But but them being in the relegation zone is just like when Hamburg got relegated. I expected mm-hmm. that because they haven't been the Hamburg with the Raphael Van der Vaart and uh, Juan Pablo Sorin and the Paolo Guerreros of the world. So when, when Hamburg, and then look at Stuttgart, when Stuttgart got relegated, I expected that. They're not the Stuttgart with, 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 with um, Kakao and Mario Gomez and Sami Kedira. They're not that, they're not that um, Stuttgart team. I mean, it's, it's funny that these traditional teams, like you say, that were always staples in the Bundesliga, they started to get relegated when the Bundesliga went into a massive love where all the teams were just poor by Bayern. Yeah, I'm gonna give a conspiracy yeah. theory. I'm just I'm gonna give a fun conspiracy theory. Yeah. The World Cup winning yeah. squad fuck up the Bundesliga. This was like something a government policy. No but the World Cup squad fuck up the Bundesliga. Alright. Why why do you think that? Because Look at all right, look at all of the players. Look at all of the players that have been in the World Cup squad. As it pertains to the traditional squads that were in the Bundesliga. Yeah. When Mario Gomez got Bayern and Kidera got Madrid. Well, I'm just mm-hmm. When Marco Marin got Chelsea, Ozil got Madrid. Um I think Aaron went to Hamburg, but the point is them losing. What yeah. happened to Werder Bremen? Just start falling off of the map. What when Edin Dzeko go go Man City from 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 Wolfsburg? A couple of the Wolfsburg players left the other clubs to but 
they didn't go to bigger necessarily bigger clubs. No, before my thought, even before <laughs> them getting their brand, when they, that, that was getting back something after years. Yeah, that, that was the building back again. Yeah. So and even then after that them them they, they had bad recruitment. Or the recruitment was good but the, the team just never worked together. Yeah but this, this, the core of the World Cup squad, if you want to say the core, yeah. was made up of players from Bayern, of from Dortmund, Madrid. No, but my point is that most of the people who ended up making that World Cup squad, right? All left their respective clubs to play for bigger. To go to bigger clubs. So you think that generation of players was the reason why they did Took a dive. And I wouldn't even just say that World Cup squad, but that World Cup generation. One when yeah, Neuri signed, look, look, look at one when Neuri signed left um, Dortmund. Well, sure, Dortmund still went on to have success, but he was a part of their league, league winning team. Went to Madrid, too much injuries. Went to Liverpool alone, had, had too much injuries again. Came back, back to Dortmund. To and as you said, it became the nearly men. And then eventually Dortmund moved on from him. Arturo Vidal ended up leaving Leverkusen for Juventus. Uh, was Andre Sherlock of Chelsea, for Cup Leverkusen. Put all the pressure upon Stephen Keesling in I am old age. <laughs> he wasn't that old at the time. Not at the time, but eventually. He moved there for a time. Yeah, so... Uh, so the only person that checked their space calculators was Bayern. Exactly. And then Bayern, and Bayern bought some people, people because, again, <laughs> Mario Gomez was at Stuttgart and he left for Bayern. Yeah, so I'm not going to talk. This one was to say Bayern then cherry-picked the top from the league. And who Bayern never get gone out gone somewhere else in Europe? So that generation of players should be for the, the lull that the Bundesliga went to for the Tony Cruz was a star for Leverkusen and for Bayern. Take up himself going to Real Madrid after he won the Champions League with Bayern. <laughs> went on to do great things, but my point is it for the Bundesliga. The only player from the World Cup that actually maintained his level. I think Kramer is the only person who is still at Gladbach right now. So Benedict Toweil has left Schalke and gone to Juventus. Fuck up Schalke. <laughs> you know how long Schalke will be about them defense? I'll know Schalke can't build back a proper defense. And see the now Salif Sane, Salif Sane injured for the entire season. He just get back a decent centre back and he's injured for the entire season. How Schalke is a very unlucky problem. So must be a problem that they will make them take Barca yeah. youngster on loan that um Tadibo. Yeah. For help with the defensive problems. So between Bayern receiver earlier, four cars. Between Bayern like this garment, he has back. Who do you believe come will be sitting at the top of the table? Um, I think it's Dortmund's title to lose. Um Gladbach, I won't expect much from them this year because I think they're too young a team. Mm-hmm. The team, the, 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 the team that actually starts is not the Gladbach core that we're used to. Yeah, it is a can't, Yeah, can't tell us on something new for the future. Stindl, Stindl look like him, but upon him, I won't see him on him way out because he's still one of the leaders in the team, but he, yeah, he doesn't look needed. Still do look like still do step on the last leg. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. Still in prime. Still in prime, yes, but I think Gladbach needs to move on. I think one of the problems that the Bundesliga club had, I know Bayern is going through the same thing right now, is that they hold on to certain players a bit too long, and the changing of the guard is a lot very slow in the Bundesliga. Club goes the turnover of players in the Bundesliga surprisingly low compared to the other leagues. True. 
but I wouldn't say that Stingle is the one that you should do that with that man. There's other players I would, I would, I would throw it in there, like a Fabian Johnson, a Trey Ore, and as much as I hate seeing it, a Patrick Herman. And Jonas Ooh. Hoffman hasn't had, a, hasn't had the season that he had since uh, I think he got injured. He hasn't mm-hmm. had the season that he had last season. Jonas Hoffman was great last season. Patrick Herman can't stay up on the field for five minutes. As soon as him touch the field, him twist him ankle or him, him, him knee him buckle or something like that. Mm-hmm. Him can't stay fit. And Stindle, Stindle is another one who can't leave the injury table. Tony Anchka old, Oscar went old. And we're, we've replaced those guys pretty well. We have Elder Vidi and um, the Algerian left back. I don't remember his name. I can't. I don't know how to pronounce it. Boshegli or something. I don't. I don't. But we have an Algerian left back that's very good right now. One one the um Copa Nations with Algeria can also play in defensive midfield. And of course we have Switzerland's Elder Vidi who can play either right back or centre back. Is a replacement for Tony Anschka. We have Matthias Ginter and Christoph Kramer as the two German players in the core of the team. And even Kramer. Oh, no. Even Kramer. How long do you think going to be there? Who that? How long do you think Ginter is going to be there? I don't know, he's, he's the core of our defense. Yeah, he's the core of our defense. Yeah, but you must have already tried to be clubbed in. Never work out for him. True, but through the Ginter, but nothing that you can do in the future. Yes, yes. But I don't, I don't, I don't think he needs to leave Gladbach to still be a um, starter for Germany. Ah, of course he'll be a starter, but we all know which club he's coming soon. No, but he again, he already failed at Dortmund, so I don't see Bayern signing. Still at Dortmund, not Dortmund. I don't see Bayern signing. I don't see Bayern signing. Dortmund is not Bayern, he's not No, but I don't see Bayern signing if you have Nicolas Sule already. That's my point. Yeah, but I see them more going after Tal before they go after Ginter. Yeah, I don't think, you know, I feel like Liverpool can and Dortmund secretly going around, you know. I feel like, I feel like the other 17 clubs in the Bundesliga had a special meeting and they decided that no more selling to Bayern. And I think that would go for Gladbach as well. Yeah, I think that goes for Gladbach as well. As you saw, but I remember it was Wenger that said that more and more we're going to see players driving down their top shots by leaving on freeze. Well, it depends on the length of the contract, right, man? Yeah, but the standard length of all pro players are those five years. But that's a very long time. Like, no, people understand me. That's a very long time. It's not like NBA contracts where it works. And it's not like an NBA contract where, okay, two years, that's art. Three years um, with an opt-out for your third year. Mm-hmm. So now like you can play for a club for two years and say, you know what, I'm going to opt out of my final year and become a free agent. Five years is a long time now. Five years is the end of your career. So, I want Leipzig to win the league? Why? Oh, so, okay, so two reasons why. One, so I can hear the complaining about the people plus one year and the, the old ownership structure of Leipzig. Just so, just so the general media can complain about that, because it's funny. And two, in a war, that Romanich and Polish get fired, are both off the board. Because the only time Bayern fans are going to take up is... But Oliver Kahn already shake up the club. Yeah, he's already shaking it up, but he's still not, he's not being defended. So how much... How much changes can you do if you've got the president of the club? And that's what I want. I want these two jackasses to leave. I want them up because they're not looking at the best interest of Bayern as a footballing institution. They're looking at football from a commercial perspective. Like, we appointed Kovac as a coach. No, but I think, no, I wouldn't say that. At the time, Kovac was one of the better Bundesliga coaches. If I remember what he was doing with Frankfurt, I could understand why they gave him a chance. No, hold on, hold on. And if I remember that, your legendary coach was the one who co-signed him. 
true, uh, but we, are, which we not, all know how this, like, they never from Canada to Turkey, so they didn't keep David Moyes. No, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't justify that the same. I wouldn't justify that the same. Because David Moyes never put Everton in that good of a position. And then on top of that, um, Kovac is Frankfurt team beat Bayern. For a trophy. Yeah, so my point is that you can't wrong them for giving him a chance. And he didn't do as bad as David Moyes did at, at, at Manu. No, he didn't do as bad, but... So it yeah, it didn't work out, but I don't want to make it look like it was that bad. And even on the Ancelotti, things weren't perfect. Who's a Champions no, League winning that manager? Was, that was yeah, but my point is that even a, a, a Champions League winning, multiple Champions League winning manager still had struggles yeah. with this Bayern squad. So, yeah, because the squad should have been good to that perfect left. Because when you look at this Bayern squad, you're telling me that oh, it's just no, you decide to go for a placement. Or read the message in this word, sir. Mike, you never think you should have a placement before. But we, we have to put our full stop right here on the point. And we will have to read it back again. In our next podcast. So, um, thank you for listening. Join us back for our next podcast, our next footballing one. Uh, then you can also remember to join us for our general this sports podcast. Um, Mang, any final words you want to say? Yeah, uh, I think we're on, uh, we're on Anchor. You can listen to us on Anchor, you can listen to us on Spotify, and a few other platforms. And uh, the more platforms I think we'll put on, we'll tell you as we go along. And yeah, that's basically my final words. And uh, I want football to be competitive again and fun again. I, I want football to be fun again. So, on that note, have a wonderful evening, morning, or afternoon. Um, thank you for listening. And oh, and Syria, and, and the Syria people them really need to stop, like, give everything to Cristiano Ronaldo. Let the man decline. No, it's like nobody know if I accept him declining. Let the man decline peace. No, but nobody know if I accept him decline. But yeah, we'll talk about that next time. Yeah, all right then. So, thank you guys and see you again.